You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Hello, Ministry Grow Show listeners. This week is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I'm not going to have Kevin on the show this week because I've got him on a big design project, and so he's not available. Uh, So I will be hosting the show by myself. We'll be interviewing Ben Austin of 5810. And before we get started, I just want to apologize for my funky voice. Uh, Yesterday I lost my voice, and so it's just now starting to get come back. And so if I squeak and crack my way through this interview, uh, sorry about that. Uh, But I think that Ben is going to bring a ton of value, um, and so I'm excited to share his insight and um into running 5810 or being a part of running 5810. So excited to share his story and, and get into the show. All right, welcome back to the Ministry Grow Show. Today we're going to be interviewing Ben Austin of 5810, part of the leadership team over there. Ben, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Zach, for having me. I appreciate it. How have you been, man? Doing pretty well. Um, enjoying my uh, 11-month-old and 10-year-old daughter and wife uh, here in North Carolina, and it's uh, been going well. Very cool. So for our audience, uh, Reliant Creative has worked with 5810 in the past a couple times, and so Ben and I have a, a pretty long-standing relationship now, and so um, just a backstory for for how we met. I um, was introduced to Ben by a really good friend of mine, childhood friend of mine. And so back in, I think, 2012, right, Ben? Was that the our first trip? We we went to Kenya and did some photo video work for 5810. And um, when we, we've been helping them out ever since. So it's just been a really cool, longstanding relationship. And um, yeah, just thankful for you to be on the show and get to have some insight into what you guys are doing at 5810. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about 5810? Obviously, I know uh, the story behind the ministry, but uh, our listeners do not. So how did you guys get started? Uh, maybe what you guys have been up to lately, maybe dive into what God is doing through you guys in Kenya currently. Sure. Um, well, the, the story of 5810, uh, how it got started, was interesting just from the standpoint of uh, – I really all really felt like it was something that God orchestrated and put together. Um, it wasn't something that we just came up uh, with out of nowhere. Um, and and really, what it was is myself, a friend of mine, uh, Jordan Kraft, and another friend, Jeremy Buckley, all worked in the same uh, office. It was probably at the time, you know, had 60, 70 employees, so it wasn't that big of a a business, uh, so to speak. And we were in our twenties, uh, you know working and doing stuff on the weekends and hanging out, watching movies, whatever, which are all good things. Uh, but we felt like that would be kind of what defined our 20s uh, <laughs> and, we and hung out a lot. And uh, I think we all had a desire to, to do more. Um, and as God typically does, we all had different things going on that were leading us to a similar place. Um, and we 
individually at different times all read uh, David Platt's book, Radical. And I think that was kind of a catalyst that moved us along uh, in just the desire to, to really want to uh, serve people and help out. So um, as our conversations went on and on, we said, like, what things can we do? And uh, really, we just were wanting to reach out to people um, and say, how could we help? And we thought specifically with orphans, but we weren't even really stuck on that. Um, and I have uh, some background as growing up as a missionary kid in Africa, so I reached out to some contacts there, and um, nothing really came of that. And, and then we reached out to a contact of a of a small uh, now partner nonprofit in um, Pennsylvania. And uh, basically, without going into all the details, there were several um, homes that had infrastructure for children uh, that had been abandoned or parents had passed away. And all their funding had been dropped, so they were empty, uh, but still had, uh, you know, uh, the ability to be open. So we were able to connect with uh, them and basically say, how can we help? And a lot of it was saying we would like someone to come and help uh, open these homes as well as, uh, you know, really sit at the strategic table, so to speak, in, in the planning of it. And really our main focus at that point was going to be fundraising. So we looked at these different options and, and tried to think of, you know, is this something – uh, that God has for us to do. And uh, I can still remember the night um, when we were all sitting around Jeremy's house and wondering if we should do this or not. And you know, Jeremy just said, you know, I think we all know at this point, this is not something, should we do it or should we not do it? But it's really a, a point of obedience. Are we going to obey God to what he's calling us to do or are we not? Right. And um, that was a blessing in the sense that it was such a clear sense of this was the right next step to at least try to see what would happen with helping raise some money for these homes um, that we knew we should take that next step. Um, so that was uh, really January, February, 2011. Mm -hmm. And uh, we decided to see, you know, what kind of momentum we would get. And, um, so what we decided to do is while we're going to keep our regular jobs, uh, obviously, but on the side, we were going to start seeing if we could uh, get some sponsors. And we had sort of a test run of trying to get 25 uh, kids sponsored, maybe it was 23, uh, but they were all sponsored in the first week. Uh, wow. so that was we, uh, in the summer of 2011, we went to Kenya, met the people, um, chose which home we were going to work with, which leaders we were going to work with, things of that nature, because we weren't going to ask people for money unless we knew, you know, what everything was looking like on the other end. Right. Um, so we did that and uh, really came back with a sense that there was a specific home where you've been as well. I know a couple times now, Zach, uh, the Milongo Children's Home. Uh -huh. And uh, so that's what we decided to move forward with. And um, the home had a capacity for over 150 kids. Uh, but we weren't planning on doing that right away. And uh, so we started with uh, the idea of how could we uh, raise funds for this. And as I say that, just to back up a little bit, um, our heart was as much for really the people that were needy in other parts of the world. Our heart was also just for the American church. Um, and I think where we were all learning is let's not like waste our lives doing stuff that's fun and pleasurable, uh, but let's, you know, use our lives to pour out ourselves for others right. and wanted to give, we believe there was a lot of people that had the same sense of what do I do? How can I do more? I'm not sure. I don't necessarily just want to write a check every month. Yeah. And uh, that's was really 
uh, what we decided to do is say we want to get sponsors that are very, very connected to the children in the home. Um, anyways, so our strategy was let's have an event, let's tell people about it. And we were like, maybe we'll have 50 people come, maybe 25. Um, so in November of 2011, we had our first sense of, okay, we the kids have been um, identified in Kenya. Um, they had said, here's their profiles, here's the kids that need a place. And uh, on that first event, we had over 150 people come, and uh, the first 100 kids were sponsored within the first four days of launching, maybe five days of launching, um, which we were told if we were to get 100 kids sponsored in the first year, that would be amazing. Wow. Uh, so it, it was something that was uh, just above and beyond uh, <laughs> that God did, and, and uh, just really, really amazing to see. So that's a little bit of the backstory, and, and and how Fifty Eight Ten got started. Very cool. So, you guys, do you are are you working with a parent organization uh, here or on the ground there? How's that partnership yeah. worked? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I call it a parent organization, but it's a good way of thinking about it. Um, it's a partnership that really handles um, things like payroll in Kenya. Okay. Um, if, a, if a printer were to break, which they don't use that often, but they need a printer uh, at the location and it breaks and it's like, Hey, it's going to be $45 or $120. You know, they don't say, Hey Ben, you need to write a check for the home. It's going to basically be like, here's some of our expenses. Here's the budget. And if there's things that are outside of the normal uh, budget, then they'll let us know that we'll plan accordingly, raise money on the side. Uh, and again, so we really play the role of a fundraiser and sitting at the uh, strategic table planning for the home. Okay. Uh, on that side. So were you guys tasked with building a team on the ground in Kenya or did that that organization that you guys partnered with help you with that? Yeah, the organization, it's called Chariots for Hope. They were uh, the ones that uh, really did all that. So, you know, they would say, here's the people we're looking at for leadership. What are your thoughts? But, you know, we really just leaned on them because uh, they were uh, the boots on the ground, so to speak, that, that had the insights. Very cool. So one of the things that you mentioned was um, – that you have your goal is to create a, a support base that, of very connected um, supporters and donors. Is that something that you guys would say is kind of your maybe differentiator up be, from like a world vision or a compassion or something? Yeah, I think that I would say at least that's our, our strategy and our um, thing that makes us more um, versatile is the fact that we are so small Mm -hmm. um, that we can connect people a little bit more easily because I can see, you know, the kid that you sponsor, for example, and just be like, Hey, that guy was over in Kenya. Here he is. Here's the latest news. Right. Uh, which other organizations like compassion and world vision do well. Uh, but there, there's a couple people removed where I think one of the real powerful things is a lot of the people know the different kids, uh, through friends that sponsor a kid or, they know the people that are going over on a regular basis. Um, that's awesome. That's really been a lot of the, the benefit um, on that end. So it creates kind of like a, a, a more intimate family feel with your supporters and the, the children that they're supporting, right? Is that because you guys have had, you guys have gone on trips where you bring uh, quite a few of your supporters and they get to meet their kids, and um, and that happens pretty often. Yeah, we try to do that once or twice a year. Um, and really when we focus on one of the 5810 values is shared ownership. Uh -huh. um, it's really the idea of, of trying to say we want to get people to be so bought in that they really feel like they uh, 
you know, that, that's the home I support in Kenya, or that's the group that I support, or those are my Christian brothers and sisters that right. I work with in Kenya, um, without having to necessarily just say again, like, here's $40 a month, and I'll talk to you later. A, a matter of fact, if we have somebody that wants to sponsor and they only want to give, like, money, but they're not committing to make sure that they're sending packages every year and writing letters and sending pictures, we just really, like, we're probably not the best ministry for you. Oh, wow, that's cool. So you guys have, like, a a filtering system before people can invest in what you guys are doing. Yeah. I think just at least that they know what we expect and, and what the kids need uh, on that end, because the, the kids in Kenya are often more excited about, you know, the pictures of the family in America than they are about uh, the new toy they're getting. So, so have you guys noticed a, a, a big difference in your children because of that, that deeper relationship that you have helped foster between your supporters and the, the orphans in Kenya? Uh, I, th- I think, first of all, the staff in Kenya um, does an amazing job with the kids, everything from counseling and just really loving them. Um, I do think there's a difference there in the fact that the, the children really treasure their relationship with their sponsors. Um, so they look at them as a family and they call them mom and dad and, and things of that nature. So I think that really helps them uh, in a way of just knowing that they're loved and cared for. Um, and at the same time, uh, when you think about that, probably the people that sometimes get the much bigger blessing and probably even growth from it uh, have really been our sponsors. Right. Uh, when they go and they see their kids and they they uh, get to witness uh, the staff just giving of themselves for these kids, like it's been person after person uh, that is being changed and, and really becoming more uh, like Jesus through his kids. So uh, it's kind of cool to see it on that side as well. That's great. Uh, so running a ministry is definitely not an easy task. Uh, what has, what's been one of the hardest lessons you guys have learned starting out building or, or simply running 5810? Um, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, I think one is that, uh, it is a good thing, but like, I mean, God's in control and he makes things work. And, uh, <laughs> often, when, often when we're trying to do things and we're getting too, into the weeds it just seems like things don't move uh as well and so we're just thankful for for those sides uh i think the, one of the biggest struggles is bandwidth um so you know i'm a, a husband and, and dad and uh a software salesperson and then i do 5810 uh on the side so to speak right um in the same way with uh, jordan and jeremy as far as similar stories um but Bandwidth becomes a real struggle because you are trying to focus on certain things and you and you don't get things done because you don't have the bandwidth for it. Um, and I know there's different nonprofits that have uh, different um, resources and abilities. Uh, and when you don't have necessarily the resources or well, you don't want to invest in the resources to uh, take off some of that bandwidth or take off other things uh, like going full time or something, I think that's probably one of our biggest struggles. Um, and then I think also probably just uh, the spiritual struggle of nonprofits is a lot of people think it's really, really cool. And uh, sometimes you can buy into this idea that you're doing something so amazing or you take identity in it in a uh, really a negative and a proud way. Right. Um, so I think fighting against that temptation, which is always there because we're sinful people. But uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's another struggle of it um, on that side. Awesome. Um, so for 
any 501c3 fundraising is a necessity to growing a successful ministry. Uh, what do you guys, what's your approach to fundraising? And maybe can you guys speak specifically to like a failed approach or a successful and a successful approach? Sure. So I'll start with a, our, our, I think a successful approach. And, and that goes back <laughs> to uh, that core value I mentioned earlier of shared ownership. So, um, when it comes to the idea of us focusing, our idea is the more we focus on the sponsors and connect them to what's going on, the more connected they are to the ministry, the more connected they are to the home, the more connected they are to the child, the more they're likely to also give, um, and the more they're likely to change themselves. Right. And so as we focus on that, when we do uh, other fundraisers, it's usually our base of supporters that are the ones that are going above and beyond. So, you know, they're already giving... $480 a year, but then there's something else that's needed and they, they write a one-time check for $100 or $50 or whatever it might be. Um, so that has been something that's been really helpful. Um, so that's been successful. Uh, one that was not successful up to this point is we, we did a campaign uh, called Give 7, and it was the idea uh, of minimum wages a little bit higher in some places, but it's around $7, so work one hour. Uh, and use that $7 and, and once a month give it uh, to 5810 to help out uh, people um, in Kenya. And the idea was work that hour with them in mind intentionally. Uh, and it was focused on students, uh, both high school and college students. Uh, and I think the reason that it's failed so far is there just hasn't, again, been enough focus on it um, to really try to build that. Um, and again, you got to create a lot of content, a lot of updates, um, let people know it's out there. And uh, we just haven't been able to put in the, the time to make that work. So how are you guys working discipleship into your programs, even if, I mean, you're, you're not a necessarily a disciple-focused, discipleship-focused ministry. Your, um, your primary focus is out to rescue orphans and um, give them a home and a place to live. And so how are, how are you guys working discipleship into that? Because it is such an integral part of, of all of this. I mean, we can... We can, I've said this before on, on the show, <clears throat> we can save from one form of slavery into another if we're not careful and not making sure that the gospel and discipleship making is at the core of what we're doing, right? So how are you guys working that into what you do? I think where we focus on uh, the discipleship aspect is not as much on um, the children and the staff in Kenya. Uh, you know, the staff in Kenya are working on uh, that constantly. Um and we do try to provide resources for the staff so they can continue. But the truth of the matter is, like, every time we go over there, they're discipling us more than us discipling them. Right. So our discipleship focus, I would say, is probably going to be on the sponsors. And probably where the most part of that focus is going to be um, on the people who actually go to Kenya. Um, just because it is our most focused time for the ministry. So when we're over there, you know, we're not working on work back in the States. You know, we're just there with the people and we're unpacking what we're seeing, processing what we're seeing, um, talking about uh, the goodness of God and how he is taking care of these kids and the goodness of God for changing our hearts and showing us our wickedness and reminding us of, of the gospel and how, how good Jesus and is. And um, that is really where our discipleship focus is, is on how do we... Uh, mainly as Americans, there are some people that you know aren't Americans that are supporting, but mainly as Americans, you know, how do we let the gospel influence us in our culture and not be 
uh, you know, not conform to this world, so to speak, uh, but being transformed by by the renewing of our minds and, and by the gospel, really. So that's where where our focus comes in on discipleship. Gotcha. And are you guys? I mean, obviously, the leadership on the ground there is an integral part of what you guys do. Without them, that you wouldn't have a ministry. So, are you? Is there uh, like a form of uh, leadership development or discipleship within your your leadership team on the ground in in Kenya? So, we mainly in take the idea and the approach of uh, we are brothers with them and we're on the same level as them. And so it would be similar to how I would probably approach you and like, hey, Zach, I see this is going on and I want to provide this opportunity for you. And the same as you come to me and say, hey, Ben, I want to provide this opportunity for you. Um, and I want to, to focus on this area. I think this is an area that you can work uh, on. So um, really the biggest thing we do in that area is just providing resources when we talk to them about where God's leading them. So gotcha. that's, you know, I feel like God wants us to do this, or uh, I really feel like God's leading me towards these courses, or um, this is an area I'm trying to grow my church in Kenya, or whatever it is. We try to come alongside them and partner with them um, in a way of of helping them because we might have the resources. But again, usually they're the ones that are walking us along through our spiritual <laughs> 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 we are with them. Uh, so. so. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I love that partnership model. That's that's so key. Not coming in thinking that, hey, we're we're the Americans that know everything, but realizing that um, you can learn as much from them, if not more, uh, as as you could maybe teach teach them. And so, <clears throat> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's really a big part of even our, our trips. We we all go through uh, a book, which you probably have mentioned on the show or, or will, uh, when helping hurts mm-hmm. and. Um, just been very uh, helpful for all the people going again so that when they're over there they're they're processing what this book has been saying and um, and that's definitely a big part of it is, is realizing we all have brokenness in different ways right and you guys make that a requirement for all of your team anytime a team goes right right if you're gonna go on a trip you have to read the book and we go through it together that's cool and you, a lot of your kids, you guys are sending to school. Uh, is, is education a piece to what you guys are doing uh, in your homes, especially it, maybe they, the younger kids? Sure, it, they're all going to um, local schools. So public schools, think of it that way. Um, local high schools, uh, although they do more um, of a process where you know people are doing boarding schools for high schools more than model in Kenya. But it's all going to be done through, you know, the local government, just like if you're in public schools. Uh, we do have a tutor uh, at the locations to help the kids uh, as they are moving along, which has been really, really helpful. Uh, his name is Simon, and he's just really transformed their their um, philosophy, I think, of education for that home. So that's been helpful. I love and that definitely guy. Definitely is an integral part of the kids having a future. So we we definitely focus on that. Yeah, I love Simon. That guy's awesome. He really is. And so is he, when the kids come home with homework or whatever and, and study beyond what their school gives them, are, is that is that a place where Simon can, can bring in some of that discipleship making for those children it with, is, within and, their education? It is for sure. And even part of it, just the, the sense of trying to give them the long-term view 
um, you know, their education is not a sprint, but a marathon, that type of idea and, um, and, and helping them to do their best. And again, bringing, why do we do our best and things of that nature. So he does a good job on that. Very cool. By the way, did you know Simon was a college runner? I did know that. He talked about that last time I was there. We did like the Kenya Olympics last time we were, when we were there like a month ago and he was all ready to race us. <laughs> I think so, Simon. That's all. Yeah, Simon, uh, I, I have no interest in racing you. <laughs> That's awesome. So how do you guys, uh, how do you guys keep supporters engaged and excited about, about your ministry and what you guys are doing? Uh, I think the biggest things is going back again uh, to the shared ownership idea of, and also the idea of giving away for them to pour themselves out. You know, the more uh, energy you put into something, the more engaged and the more excited you get about that thing typically. Uh, so that is what we try to focus on is giving people avenues to do that. Uh, and again, usually the best way of doing it is getting over there and they can see uh, what that looks like. But sometimes it's people here, you know, have ladies that have, you know, made blankets. We had people that would say, Hey, I know you need to send out all these letters. Let me help you get them all together. Uh, you know, people that did all of the 5810 design, uh, uh, girl that I work with, um, she put together the whole website free, uh, updated that, um, just all kinds of things, just using their skills and abilities, uh, to serve at a home in Kenya, even if it's not being right there. That's awesome. And so, are you guys, are you guys doing any fundraising on, as well to keep awareness every year, like an annual fundraiser or anything like that? We do a fundraisers mainly around projects or needs that come up. Um, okay. We also actually the number of sponsors that we have, and we are short at what our baby home. We don't have enough sponsors to actually cover the annual cost. So um, we often will, you know, let people know about that. We have been blessed with donations that are big enough to, uh, you know, cover the extra cost. Uh, the other areas are just like projects. Uh, we just did a uh, fundraising for um, two vehicles because the homes didn't have vehicles, and this has been a couple of years, and we just really felt like, you know, if you have 150 kids, you probably should have at least one car that can get them to a place in a hurry if, if needed. Right. Um, and that was has been awesome. Uh we had a two for one match, and so our goal was to raise fifteen thousand dollars, and, and we did it. And uh, I shouldn't say we did it; but other people <laughs> gave it the money to do it, uh, <laughs> in nine days. So that was wow. awesome. That's amazing. So, did you promote that a, a ton on social media and, and through your website? So we we sent out uh, we have a newsletter. We sent out the newsletter. We posted it on uh, Facebook, and we posted on Instagram. Uh, those are the main places that we uh, do updates. Uh, we also have a blog um, that you know we put updates there as well. That's great. Well, the reason I ask about the fundraisers is because we're going to be doing our first fundraiser next uh, April, and so we're just trying to figure out <laughs> what we're doing on that end. I mean, this is all new to us as a ministry, and so um, just wondering how other how other ministries handle all of that. I will say that whenever you can have, if you can find someone that's willing to, to give a slightly larger donation and have any sort of matching of any kind, it sure does give people more of that motivation. Uh, I've seen that before. Right. And we're going to try, I mean, I'm praying for uh, someone that would uh, maybe underwrite the fundraiser so that everything we make on the silent auction and auction would be straight to the ministry. So... And that's going to be a, a big focus as we plan this and, and 
make our way to April 29th. So, well, when you do that event, you'll have done uh, more fundraising events of that sort than probably we have. So, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> your policy, like Zach, what'd you guys do? What'd you do? How how'd it go? Well, I we had uh, a couple episodes ago on the Ministry Go Show. We had Leonard Lee on. Uh, a couple, many of our listeners might have heard heard that episode, but um, he's a good fam- family friend of ours, and so we had him over. And he's had a long history of fundraising, just because he has a background in um, being a pastor and running churches, and so um, he's kind of coming alongside us and guiding us through this process. And so, what started as a hey. I'd like to do a fundraiser. I think I could make a couple uh, thousand bucks turned into, okay, what's your goal? Let's try to hit that goal. And it's just been, it's turning into this huge event that, <laughs> that is going to hopefully have 150 to 200 people or more. And, um, it's, it's, I've got a whole committee that's jumped on board. I think I've six or seven people that have said, yeah, we're willing to help. And I'm, I'm a, it is allowing me to kind of designate different roles. And so it's taken a lot off my plate so I can focus on the ministry and, and my job um, and have people come in and, and volunteer a little bit to make this thing happen. So it's, I mean, it, what, what started out as a, yeah, let's do this turned into a, oh my gosh, what have I got myself into? This is going to be huge. When is it? April 29th. Oh man! Okay, awesome. year. so we have a little bit of time to figure everything out, but we're—I mean, probably like most ministries, we are making this stuff up as we go along as well. And so, um, hopefully, hopefully, this ministry grow show can give some insight in, into what other ministries are doing and uh, give some people some ideas to help grow their ministries and make a bigger impact for the kingdom. Yeah, awesome. Well, cool, Ben. Uh, that's about it. I, I want to be respectful of your time. And so I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been awesome. I think this is going to add a ton of value to our listeners and uh, maybe directors and church leaders who are running their own ministries. Uh, before we get off, can I pray for 5810 and for you guys over it? Uh, yeah, please do. All right, great. Father, I thank you so much for Ben and Jeremy and Jordan and uh, their willingness and, and obedience to answer your call and uh, do something that most 20-somethings uh, are not willing to do, go out and um, just be a part of what you're doing, be a part of the redemption of humanity. And so we thank you for their willingness to do that. I pray that you would bless their ministry, pray, pray that you would bless uh, each one of them and their families, um, just be with them as they figure this whole thing out and um, guide them each step of the way. Running a ministry is difficult and uh, a lot of times we're trying to figure out things as we go, and I pray that you would just speak to them audibly, uh, help them to hear your voice, and and just go in the direction you would have them go. And I just pray that you would make this uh, bigger and more effective for your kingdom than they would have ever thought possible. Father, we just lift that up to you. Uh, thank you so much for your love and allowing us to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, cool, Ben. I Thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, before we get off, how can our listeners get a hold of you and stay up to date on on your journey building fifty eight ten and being uh, yeah maybe follow along and be a part of what you guys are doing? Yeah, fifty eight ten dot com five eight ten dot com. We're on Facebook, and you can just uh, again put five eight ten to get ten and find us there. Is a great way to follow. And uh, if you ever have any questions, I'd be happy to 
chat or uh, we can trade emails. My email is ben, B-E-N, at 5810.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ben. I appreciate your time and have a good rest of your night. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.